And I can remember somebody saying, well, why do you always do that? Why do you always say your first and your last name? So I, I want to be remembered, you know, I want to I want to make sure you you distinguish me from all the other Joes. Hello and welcome to the Up Close and Personnel podcast show. Thanks for tuning in. Again, this is your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with the Rice Owls. I'd be remiss if I didn't wish everybody a happy draft weekend. It's day three of the draft today, Saturday, April 25th, 2020. And uh, I'm pretty sure this is exactly what the college football world and the football world in general needed. So I really appreciate the returning listeners and would like to welcome any first timers. So as always, keep hitting me up with feedback on the show and be sure to rate and subscribe if you like what you hear. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with UTSA's Director of Player Personnel, Joe Price. Joe, a Houston native from the east side, makes his return to Texas after serving a one-year stint with the University of Illinois as their Director of High School Relations. Prior to breaking into college football, Joe established himself in the high school ranks as the recruiting coordinator, passing coordinator, and wide receiver coach from 2014 to 2018 with North Shore High School. During that stretch, while learning under one of the best high school coaches in the country, John Kay, North Shore won two state titles, four district titles, and oversaw more than 75 players advanced to the college level. Before North Shore, Joe coached at Kalina Park High School for four years and even worked as a branch manager at Enterprise after playing his college ball at Harding University. In this week's episode, Joe talks about his journey from playing the game to coaching it to covering this week's topic the role of the high school recruiting coordinator. It's a role he became proficient at during his time at North Shore, and he has advice for recruits, parents, coaches, and college recruiters alike with the knowledge that he's gained over the years of working in this football industry. Now, like the rest of the episodes, you're going to want to have a paper and pen ready to take notes. And with that, here is Joe Price, Director of Player Personnel at UTSA. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How's COVID life for you? I know just talking off air, you've been doing a lot of networking and, and staying active, but um, just stepping into UTSA and doing an incredible job over there. How's, how's this uh, quarantine season doing for you? Uh, it's fast paced. I mean, I feel like I'm being more productive and probably doing more at, at the house uh, than I probably would have been doing in the office. You know, it's not a whole lot of distractions. You know, with two kids, they're running around. But for the most part, you know, I'm in the office all day. Um, you know, ch- kind of trial and error. It's my first run at being the director of player personnel. Got trained up really well at the University of Illinois. So, I still lean on those guys from time to time and other guys in the profession that have always been good to me uh, or helping me get acclimated. Coach Trailer has been great uh, and let me, you know, try new new things, anything I come up with. So it's, it's been great so far. No, and I can't wait to, to dive into all the people that you've had a chance to learn from not just the college level, but also the high school level being at North Shore. But before we kind of get into that and your story and, and where all you've been, I want to jump into those five questions that we always talk about. So starting off, what makes somebody a good recruiter in your eyes? The ability to, to, to build a genuine relationship. Uh, so many times 
there's such a large volume of kids that, you know, college coaches are pursuing when you can really dive into uh, who a recruit is and who his family is and what he's about and really build a, a meaningful relationship or, you know, have the recruit feel like they built a meaningful relationship with you. That makes them a great recruiter, you know, fi- finding out who the champions are uh, in the recruits life, you know, whether it's the coach, uh, uncle or, you know, their parents, wh- whoever it is that helps him make, you know, the biggest decisions of their life, understanding who those people are and what's important to them as well uh, goes a long way with uh, creating bonds that turn into signees and, and great players down the road. I think that's such a good point too on like, normally there's, there's such a large volume of guys that colleges are going after and there's no real way to, to have a meaningful relationship if you're, if you're not targeted on that. So um, as far as who are some of the best recruiters you've been around and why, I know you've, you've seen a bunch of them having had so many elite players at the high school level, but also now having been with Lovey Smith and now Kurt Trailer. Um, who are some of the best recruiters that you've been around? One of the first guys that comes to mind, came to North Shore often, had great success there, was, was Bradley Del Pivoto. Uh, I mean, he's he's relentless when it comes to recruiting. He's nonstop. I mean, I used to work in in, uh, in private business, and we used to always talk about the amount of no's before, you know, you move on to the next customer. Coach Pivoto will take a lot of no's before, you know, he, he moves on if there's a guy that he wants. I had the pleasure of working with uh, two guys at Illinois that, you know, I really, I really like their style of recruiting. Austin Clark, uh, who's now with the, the Miami Dolphins. Man, that dude, you know, he was nonstop when it, when it came to recruiting. He he was sharp. He knew all knew knew all about the guys, where they were from. He was always able to connect the dots when it came to came to recruits and you know their coaches and guys that that are from their area. Uh, and then Coach Smith, Coach Smith, you know, if you ever talk to Coach Smith or ever listen to him talk, he always puts you at ease. He sounds like one of your your East Texas uncles. You know, he's he's got that 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 Southern draw and. Uh, you know, everybody he talks to just feels really relaxed, no matter where they're from or, you know, you know, where they've been. He's a real, you know, all those guys are real down to earth. You know, they, they are from small towns or small areas. And, you know, they, they basically, you know, came up in the game uh, grinding. So uh, they all have a story that's, that's easily told when it comes to recruits. And I think that's what makes them really good recruiters. As in, like the ability to just connect and just relate on a, on a down to earth level. Oh yeah, no no doubt. I think Coach Trailer has that too. You know, I I think the best recruiters don't sound phony when they recruit when they're, when they're talking to parents or 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 uh, athletes. They they sound like uh, you know the things that they're talking about. They've actually experienced and they've done. And when when a recruit feels like uh, you've you've went through a similar experience as them, you know, it's easy to connect at that point. Uh, I hear, I used to hear, we call, we call parents and, and players down in Texas and everybody has an uncle that's from East Texas or a grandmother or something. And so automatically coach could build a, uh, a connection there. Austin Clark knew somebody everywhere. And, and that's part of the reason why he was successful because he did such a great job networking as a, a GA and as a player. He walked on at, at Cal, so he has he has a, a story that's you know people can relate to. If you if you have a story that people can relate to, I think you got a chance to be a really good, good recruiter. 
That's a great point. And so I guess the last answer kind of ties into this one, but who would you say your biggest influences are on how you recruit people? Uh, probably the, the, per, the couple of people that I've leaned on the most in, in terms of recruiting and gaining knowledge. Uh, number one, Cedric Cormier. Uh, he was he was just the receiver coach at uh, UNLV, uh, but he's from the east side of Houston. Uh, he went to North Shore, was a, was a great player there, went on to Colorado. But, you know, said it's kind of been like a, I don't want to say a mentor, almost like a big brother in, in the whole college football experience, you know, just kind of tossing out scenarios, trying to figure out what what's real and what's fake in terms of, you know, how you go about pursuing kids and even pursuing jobs, you know, just, just getting the ins and outs of, of the whole game. He, he's been great. Calvin Thibodeau is, is another guy that I, I built a relationship with over the past, I would say the past eight or nine years, you know, he recruited a kid that I had at Galena Park and uh, I visited Tulsa when he was there. And he's just been kind of a guy that anytime I call, he picks up the phone, whatever questions I have as it relates to, to again, the whole college football experience. He's, he's been able to, to give me some insight and kind of lead me in the right direction. From a college football standpoint, those two guys have, have really been, you know, influential. They've, they've, they've helped me a, a whole lot along the way. Uh, and I'm appreciative uh, for that. The thing that sticks out with, to me about you is like your ability to like network. And like, I feel like I know you really well, but when I see you at conferences and I see you at clinics and I see you at games, like, you know, everybody, and it's not just like a, oh, hey, coach, it's great to see you, and then move on. Like, you're having, like, conversations. You're getting pulled in, like, 10,000 directions. Like, sometimes I feel sorry for you because because you do not get, a, like, a second to yourself whenever you go out around coaches, high school and college. I'm just kind of, you know, sidetrack a little bit right here. But, like, what's what, what are some things um, that you would tell people that are trying to advance their careers, whether it's high school or college, as far as networking? Because I feel like you're such a success at building genuine like relationships with people in the industry and not just doing it for the transactional value of it, but because you care about other people one, but I've seen your success and I just wanted to see if you had any advice for people that are trying to advance their careers. In my life, I've always kind of lived by the creed that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to burn bridges with anyone, you know, at some point, you're going to need some help from someone. And at some point, somebody may need some help from you. Again, it, it goes back to building genuine relationships. I worked, I worked for Coach at Galena Park and Johnny Price, Coach Basketball for him at Galena Park High School. He's now retired. Coach Price could talk, man. He, but he was a great teacher. Uh, and he used to always, I mean, everybody, everybody heard the quote, uh, it's not about what you know, it's who you know. But he used to always take it a step farther and say, it's about also about who knows you. Tori Takel at, uh, at, at UT, I, I remember when I was talking to her once about my ambition and wanting to get into the college game, you know, she made the statement, you know, at, everybody knows Coach K at North Shore, but, you know, you want to make sure they also know who you are. Uh, so I just really uh, focused on, one, making sure that I'm doing things the right way and, and, and doing them the right way. Uh, most of the time, I'm not going to do it the right way all the time, but you know, I'm trying to make sure I do it, do it right. Most of the time. Also making sure that, you know, when I do meet somebody, I try to remember their name. I think it's, it's super important to, you know, be able to call people by name and, and 
you know, be able to recall things that you may have talked about in the past. I, I can recall in college, my obviously my name is Joe, common name. I used to always introduce myself as Joe Price. And I can remember somebody saying, well, why do you always do that? Why do you always say your first and your last name? I said, I, I want to be remembered. You know, I, I want to I make sure you, you distinguish me from all the other Joes um, that are out there in the world. You know, making sure that, you know, I present myself in a great light, uh, make sure that when we leave, you know, there, there was something that was impactful uh, that makes you remember me, uh, whether it's putting a business card in your hand with my face on it or making sure I say my first and last name or making sure I connect the dots uh, between you and somebody that I've encountered in my past. You know, I, I guess that's just the, the, the business side of me, uh, just making sure that I sell myself as a as a resource and as a as a as a tool as well as whatever else that I'm trying to push you know coming to north shore we had we had so many good athletes uh, and I knew what I wanted to do as far as my career is concerned I had to take a step back and make sure that as I networked I wasn't selling myself more than I was selling my kids as far as when it comes to I think advancing you know, at, at one point, I think I was trying to sell myself too much and I almost felt like I was, you know, begging. Uh, and I don't think you want to, you don't want to be a guy that begs for jobs or begs for opportunities. Um, but you do want to express to people what it is uh, that you want to do and what your goals are and, and be and clearly state them. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I love helping young kids. I'm from the east side of Houston. I've seen lots of guys that have had great talent uh, that have not left this side of town. So, you know, one of my goals at Galena Park and at North Shore was to make sure that as a coach, one, I fed all the knowledge that I gained from all these different places and constantly continue to seek knowledge to be able to provide the kids with as many opportunities as possible to leave this side of town and experience something else uh, that the world has to offer. Uh, I guess so to, to roundabout answer your question, you know, if I had to say anything is in networking, make sure that you say something that's impactful. It doesn't have to be over the top, but something that makes people remember you. Make sure they know who you are when you leave and make sure you know who they are uh, so that the next time you guys encounter each other, you're able to speak by name. And then, you know, make sure you clearly state what your objective is for the encounter. And if it's and if it's nothing, if it's just simply to 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 meet someone, great. But if you know if you're trying to help kids, make sure that's clearly stated and don't beg. You know, pursue but don't beg. Things kind of happen organically in most situations. You know, I'm just now realizing that you do always introduce yourself as Joe Price. Like I've known <laughs> I've known you for years, and you always do that. Like no matter where it is, even if like it's somebody you've you've met recently, like you always introduce your full name, and that does stick out. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway is that like, you're very intentional. Like you don't do things on accident. You don't, you know, wander around into a crowded room. Like you're there for a purpose and like stating your objectives, being clear about it, but not in a begging kind of manner. I think that's huge because that, that just means so much more as far as your, like your drive and your vision for kind of your own success. You know what I mean? Correct. Like, I think about the AFCA. So this is uh, 2020. My first time going to the AFCA or even really knowing anything about it uh, was I had to be 2014. And 
I can remember going there and making a list of people that I felt like I needed to meet or I needed to see while I was there, whether they knew me or not. Um, some of them were guys that I knew, you know, like said, like Calvin. I had to make sure I saw them and I hung out with them. Another guy that that I could recall latching myself to and and continuing to build my network was Mario Price of the AFCA. We had the same last name. Funny story is first first time I went there, a guy that played at Baylor with him connected us. And I can recall walking around with him for half of one of the days and him introducing everybody, me to everybody as his cousin. And we're not related. <laughs> we're not related at all. But eventually I said, you don't, you don't have to do that, man. Like, we're, you know, it's good. I, I appreciate what you're doing for me because it's helping me meet new people. But, you know, wh- where can I where can I make the, the biggest connection? So anybody who played at Harding University, um, that's a coach. I was trying to make that connection. Anybody who was from east side of houston or houston in general that i had a connection you know uh, uh, to that I, I would try to make sure I, I found that person and say hey do you know someone so he told me it was important that i meet you and then from there i let my network multiply the next time i saw them that maybe they felt like they knew me and they introduced me to to more and more people so i guess when it comes to networking it's not a it's not it's not like instant grits you know what i mean it's it's something that it's more it's more like uh it's more like you know smoking a brisket it's gonna take some time um to to build a good network uh and and a meaningful network and and one that's able to help you as much as you're able to help them you gotta throw in the crock pot and let it let it marinate a little bit no doubt no doubt this also leads into the next question, which is, you know, what is your process for learning and growing as a, as a recruiter, as an evaluator in this business? I think uh, I'm a lifelong learner, you know, Uh, know, the things I I try to figure out what, one, I I try to be ahead of the curve if I can, in terms of things that are, that are uh, trending uh, in the profession. I also, you know, I just try to, ask a bunch of questions you know like i think some people are afraid to ask questions i ask questions even when i feel like i have the answer i just i just like to hear other people's views on the way they're doing things uh and the reasons why they they go about doing them a certain way i know i know we're all competing and trying to get the same types of players uh maybe even the same player um but at the end of the day you know, if if you have those going back to the genuine relationships, if you have them, you know, sharing information and uh, and trusting guys are giving you valuable information uh, is you know the easiest way to grow. And then you know sometimes it's it's you know leaning on the guys that have 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 done this for for a long time and just seeing what what may have worked for them a long time ago and then kind of repurposing it um, to fit today's. Uh, uh, today's way of doing things. I always go back to North Shore because I felt like I learned so much and I grew so much within a within a five year period of time, and I attribute so much of that to Coach K. You know, North Shore has always had good kids. They've always had guys that have gone to big schools and and, and went on to be successful, even at the pro level. Uh, when I got there, they had a process in place for a bunch of different things. And you know, when I asked Coach K, "Hey, can I do recruiting?" Sure, it's your it's your baby. You take over it. Well, my first deal is not to go and change it, but to figure out how can I am, improve the process. Part of that was learning 
what the process was for the college recruiters. Hey, when they come in, these are the things that they're asking for. Contact information, they're asking for transcript, they're asking for, um, you know, verified size. Those are the most important things. You know, I, I don't even think it had anything to do with how much can a, can a guy lift. Truly, they want to know a guy's speed, but they want to verify that information. But how can I put all that stuff in a place where they don't necessarily have to call me every time they want it, but um, I want them to call me. So how can, you know, how can I, how can I trap that information in one place, but still make myself a resource where these guys have to depend on me to be able to access it. Uh, and that's where the whole internet website thing came about putting everything in one place. Not only are you seeing the guy that you want, but you're seeing, you know, 10 other guys that you may have not known about. And instead of, now you have to call me to get a password to access it. So now I'm continuing to network, continuing to build a, a true relationship, but you also got all the stuff that you need broken down in the fashion that shows one that I'm organized, two that we got more players, and three that, you know, this place is a you know somewhere that we can continue to go back because they're gonna have their stuff together. That's good stuff, man. I'm going to get into some business stuff because you just dropped a lot of knowledge and I want to go back to when you're in college and stuff you learned there, but what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching right now? Um, the last thing I read, I just, I just finished the urban Meyer book above the line. And, and coincidentally, I'm, I'm, I was listening to uh, the focus three podcast with him. Uh, just kind of just continuing the, to, to improve as trying to improve as a manager and then you know watching of course everybody watched last dance uh but no doubt. uh you know really really i'm not watching much other than film because you know this stuff is in the background just playing but the urban meyer book and and the folks through podcasts i think they're pretty good in terms of uh helping me understand organizations and personal organization as well so yeah, those are the, the few things that I'm on right now. Yeah, and the culture building side of that with the kites is just awesome. Like they came and talked to us a bunch for, because of Herman um, and that connection. So definitely a big fan of those those guys. So getting into your story, obviously East Side, you played at Aldi Nimitz, played at Harding, and you went into business. And the things that that you talked about as far as what makes someone a good recruiter and what stood out as far as you know, what's allowed people to be successful and what's allowed you to be successful or, you know, the amount of no's, you know, you're just working towards that next yes, you know, connecting the dots. The the art of the sell is the fact that the buyer doesn't realize that you're selling, right? Like it's, it's a relationship. It's not a transaction. Just talk me through one, what led you into pursuing a, a business degree? And I guess, you know, what led you to being a coach? Because you did work in the, in the private sector before you got into coaching. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I played sports growing up. My dad was a coach. My dad was my high school coach at Aldi Nimitz basketball. You know, to, to be honest, I played football just in middle school just because that's what everybody does. You, you play we're, on, on this side of town. If you consider yourself an athlete, you play all three sports. You play football, basketball, and you run track in middle school. Then when you get to high school, you consider yourself an athlete. You play as many sports as possible and you try to dominate all those sports. Uh, you know, I know, I know a lot of guys that are, you know, that say otherwise, maybe you should focus on one, but I, I just felt like I wanted to, I wanted to be one of the top athletes in the school and I wanted people to, 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 to know or think that I was one of the top athletes. So I played 
multiple sports. So I just happened to be okay in football, uh, you know, and, you know, basketball was my love. It's always been my love, but, you know, because my dad coached basketball and I, I tried to quit football, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I played as a sophomore and then my junior year, I was going to go straight basketball and track. Uh, my dad was trying to convince me to do it. And Michael Clay, I, I, I'll never forget it. Michael Clay was, you know, he was a parade All-American. He was a freak of an athlete. I can remember him getting me in the hallway and like, and, and saying, you know, I, I know you can hoop, but you might make some money. You know, he got in the receiver stands doing this. I started thinking about, I was like, man, maybe he's right. You know, I'm, I mean, it's not really that hard. I just use my basketball moves out there at receiver. They throw it up. I catch it, run, whatever. I watched this. I remember watching the first varsity game, like, man, I should be out there playing. And I went to coach Bernard Simon, who was my head coach at the time. And I said, coach, man, I made a mistake. I need to be out here on the football field. And sure enough, he's like, show up here on Monday and you're back on the team a week later. I'm, I'm back on the field. I'm starting. We're playing MacArthur. I scored t- like that was where my love for for the game re- really grew. And I, I never looked back after that. I went on to Harding, and my goal was always just to earn a full scholarship. Of course, I'm every just like every everyone today. I wanted to play Division One football, but I'm not a fool. Like if somebody says, "Hey, we're going to pay for your school," and there's no Division Ones at the time that were offering the same thing, uh, I'm going. They threw the ball. I'm going. So. I went to Cersei, Arkansas, play for play for Harding. And at first, I, I you know, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Then I got in my first programming class and realized this engineering stuff is not really what I want to want to be. I kind of switched gears. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. My goal was to be an agent, to be honest with you. I didn't want to be a coach because I felt like that's what everybody wanted me to be because my dad was a coach. I, I, you know, I ran from that from as long for as long as I could, and I thought I wanted to be an agent, go to law school, and all that stuff. So I majored in business management, pursued professional dreams that it that was very short lived. I had a workout for the Eskimos that I tore my knee in, and there went my career. So I got a job, and I worked for Enterprise Rent a Car. You know, Enterprise is known for hustling hustling up former athletes because they'll do a lot for little and they're used to the team environment. So for about three years, I was out there, you know, busting cars and washing cars in a suit. Uh, and I kind of rose to the ranks with enterprise, became a branch manager, but that's kind of where I learned how to operate and run a business, the art of sales, the art of organizing people and leading a team to do again a lot with a little you know being able to kind of embellish the truth so to speak you know saying hey we got your car really there's no cars available and figuring out how to come up with cars i learned how to work at enterprise to be honest with you i can remember i don't know if it was hurricane ike or harvey no it wasn't harvey had to be ike or rita one of those early hurricanes i was operating a branch in crosby and there was no cars available in the city but I would not say no to, to customers. So I think my branch had about, when I got there, had about 80 cars. And during the hurricane, I grew that branch to probably a little over 150 cars because I would shut down the branch. I would take all my employees, drive across Houston, get four or five cars at a time, bring them out, bring them back and rent them out. So over the course of about two weeks, we added about 40 to 50 cars to the fleet just because we refuse to say no. Uh, and I think that's kind of 
what led me to being a coach. I mean, the, the blessing in this is I got fired from Enterprise. I got fired on my day off, kind of like kind of like Craig. Um, but uh, I got fired from Enterprise because somebody broke in my branch and stole my safe. But it allowed me to go get my teaching certificate. And I'm doing something I love, you know, in, in terms of coaching and reaching kids. But that drive that I had as an athlete to to want to be respected as an athlete, to want to be viewed as a, one of the top athletes, uh, led to me having the same drive in the business place and wanting to become a branch manager, which led me to, you know, I started out at the middle school, worked to Galena Park High School. We weren't very good, but I can remember having eight guys on a five and five team sign scholarships. Like to me, that's great to get in the North shore and all the success that we had there to Illinois, to where I am today. It's just, it's just been a grind, uh, but one that I've enjoyed the entire time. Well, like I'm, I feel like the, the team aspect and the competitive side of it in enterprise probably, probably made you miss the field uh, to an extent it had to have, right? No doubt. No doubt. You're, you're really competing. You're competing with other branches. You're competing against other employees and you're getting rewarded um, for your accomplishments within the, um, within the field. But I can't lie. I, I really didn't enjoy going to work every day in a shirt and tie and having to <laughs> wash cars and do all that stuff in the heat of, of Texas. And it just, it just wasn't rewarding, so to speak. I, I, I enjoyed the competition. But at the end of the day, I felt like I was just working a job. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what am, what am I working toward? Being a manager, being a branch manager, being an area manager? Like, what's the end goal here? And who, who, am, I, who am I reaching when I do this? You know, yeah, I might encourage my employees to go on and, and, and do well and have their own branch. But I don't personally feel fulfilled. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't feel like on a daily basis the things that I'm doing uh, affect change or affect my community or affect anything uh, relevant, you know, to me or my life or my family. So I think coaching does all those things. You know, seeing a kid that, you know, at, at Woodland Acres Middle School, we didn't win a single game as a as a I didn't win a single game as a football coach, which sucked. But funny story, I can remember once uh, we were struggling. You know, Woodland Acres is predominantly Hispanic community. You know, a lot of the kids that were that were there were first-time football players in seventh grade. They, were, they never played little league, so we were teaching the game. So for me, it was great because I got to learn how to coach. Uh, I got to take blank canvases and and teach them. You know what I wanted them to know from the ground floor. I can remember one game we had in school where probably in two or three games, and we you know the team muffs a punt, we scoop it. And the kid runs it into the end zone and the sideline clears. And uh, the ref looks at me and is like, coach, coach, you, you guys can't do that. That's a penalty. I said, man, throw as many flags as you want to. We haven't scored a point all season. Like, you know, stuff like that, you know, I wasn't getting the enterprise. You know what I mean? But well, what, you know, what's fortune or, or blessing is those same kids I coached in the seventh grade, I moved up to the high school with them and I got to coach them for three more years. So, you know, they were used to, who I was, they were used to my demeanor, uh, my coaching points, you know, when I said, you know, uh, stack or rip or whatever, whatever the coaching point may be, they knew exactly what I was talking about because 
it was it was my lingo, if that, if that makes sense. So, you know, we had a little bit more success at Galena Park, uh, and I learned a lot from Razor Peta in terms of uh, being organized and uh, accountability and, you know, operations. He's he's a master uh, of organization, and that's why, you know, he's he's the AD of, you know, one of the biggest school districts in, in the state, in the country, in Cypher. Uh, but I, I attribute a lot of, you know, my over-organization or, you know, things like that to, to him and the things that he required of us as coaches. So I've been blessed, you know, even, even when, even in failure, I've been blessed. Well, so. like it, it feels like you were able to get those reps in of how you want to be as a coach by the time you got to North Shore and then you got even more reps with, you know, an even more established coach. Like just talk about like the, the value and finding your voice in this field. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so, you know, the blessing in going to North Shore is <clears throat> growing up in this area, you know, I was a seventh grader or an eighth grader uh, when Coach K started coaching. His first year coaching coming from, from Michigan, I was in middle school. Uh, and he was at Cunningham Middle School. And so I'd known Coach K for 20 years at this point. Uh, and when he got the job, you know, he allowed me to come on the staff as one of his first hires. And I really didn't know what I was getting into, to be honest with you. You know, I, you know, I was kind of like every other coach in the state saying, thinking North Shore has all these athletes and they just roll the balls out and they let them play, you know? So I can recall my, my first, uh, my first spring ball at North Shore going through receiver drills and quoting my lingo or whatever, saying the things that I, that I normally say to receivers and those guys looking at me like I was crazy. So I get, I, I assume that I didn't have to teach. That was, that was my first lesson. Assume nothing. You know what I mean? Just because an athlete is a good athlete, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be taught. They don't want to be pushed. They don't want to learn. So I had to kind of take a step back and re uh, redefine or re figure out who I was uh, as a coach and how to go about doing things in a, a regimen manner. You know what I mean? So after that, after that first spring, everything started from square one. And you'll hear a lot of a lot of coaches talk talk and say that just you know starting from the basics and working our way up to wherever we are at that point so what I did love about coach K during my time there is he was always very direct in his approach to to uh, coaching the coaches you always kind of knew where you stood and he you know never held anything back about you know what his expectations were so you know I guess the second thing is learning how to set clear expectations not just for not just for your coaches, but coaches for your players. Uh, and then uh, following up and holding uh, guys accountable. I, you know, those are things that, that I, he allowed each one of his position coaches to operate as, as head coaches of their position. So, you know, if a guy was missing, it wasn't, you, you better not say, I don't know. You know, if, hey, where, where's, where's Joe Price today? Uh, I don't know. Well, why don't you know? You know, like you're, you're that, that was the, incorrect answer you better have said hey i called his mom i called his sister i called his cousin i drove by his house i knocked on it like you better have some answers you know for why a person is missing and and then if you did know why they were missing you better have had a clear understanding of where they were so if if they said they were at the doctor 
I need a I need a selfie at the doctor of you at the doctor because <laughs> because you know I need, I need you to, to share to your to, your iPhone location that you're yeah, at share your house. location because I need to be able to go to the head coach with some answers about why you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. So I think what what I loved about him is because I understood all those things, I was able to work ahead uh, and do some things before he ever asked. I think I, if yeah, I think if you ask Coach K, he would say he he. He appreciated that uh, from me, you know, like I, I knew what, what stuff was was doing when it was due every year. It's not like, you know, things change that much from year to year. So I tried to work ahead, you know, to make sure that I was uh, one, one quote we used to use at, uh, at Enterprise was exceed the expectation. So uh, don't don't over promise, over deliver. Don't don't say you're going to do stuff and then can't do it. You know what the expectation is do that and a little bit more if it helps us become a better organization is what I learned at North Shore. So moving on to Illinois, uh, you were director of high school relations, but you, you, uh, you continued to have a strong uh, social media presence among the uh, city of Houston network that you built and, and were really involved with the recruiting side of things of talking to kids and reaching out and building relationships. But talk about, you know, what you learned you know, your first year in college football and, you know, what were some things that you took away? Like, man, I really wish I knew this when I was the recruiting coordinator at North Shore, things that you learned being on the other side of the curtain that, that you learned being at Illinois. Yeah. You know, I, I was hired by a guy there named James Kirkland. You know, of, of course, Lovey Smith's the head coach. He hired me, but James Kirkland is the director of player personnel there. And I worked with him and, and a guy named Patrick Impleton. They taught me so much about the flip side of things, so to speak. I thought I knew a lot about college football. I thought I, I thought I knew exactly what people were looking for and why they were looking for it. When I got there, I figured I didn't know as much as I thought I did. You know, there are so many factors that go into recruiting a guy uh, that we as as high school coaches probably never even take into account. The numbers, the the roster numbers, how how fluid that that roster. Uh, how much that roster changes from day to day or month to month, um, you know, uh, geographical preference, you know, uh, Hey, you know, you got some staffs that might say, Hey, I like my, I like my skill guys to, to come from the South and I like my big guys to come from the Midwest or, you know, I like, you know, you know, guys from, from Georgia got this type of mentality. Or if you get a guy from East Texas, he has this, like all those, I don't want to say regional biases, but regional assumptions is probably a better, better way of putting it. Uh, you know, go into factoring who you're getting and where you're getting them from. Um, but also uh, taking into account the dynamic of the of the room. OK, so we might need a receiver, but what type of receiver do we need? So classifying the types of receivers or the types of position players that are out there. You know, obviously, you understand the projection as a high school player. I, I used to say all the time to uh, Pat and James, man, I've been looking at 13 to 14 year olds, you know, for 10 years. So I, I feel like I know what an eighth grader is going to look like, you know, in four years. Well, kind of having that same projection for 18, you know, 17, 18 year olds for the next four years, understanding that, hey, this guy is 220 now. Uh, we expect him to be at the at the least get up to. 250 when he's here, can he maintain those same uh, dynamic abilities at that size? Because naturally, as we get older, we tend to gain weight. Uh, or, you know, if you're in a program 
where they're going to be intentional about how much weight you gain or lose. So understanding that, you know, while I thought specifically on the offensive and defensive line, big meant better. That's not necessarily always the case, you know, more athletic or, or how do they fit within the scheme, you know, under projecting them to, to certain parts of, of schemes and certain, certain um, dynamics of the, the head coach and the coordinators uh, help to influence what type of athletes are being recruited. So, and, and then just the, the, the regimen in which guys are recruited, the, the, the grading scales and, you know, understanding exactly how guys are profiled into different positions to say, all right, this is exactly what we're looking for at this position. And then going out and comparing not just a regional guy, but nationwide and even to some degree outside the nation uh, in terms of recruiting. We recruited a kid from Canada last year. Uh, so that, that was an experience. Uh, but just having a, a broad view of what's out there and understanding there, there's good players everywhere. I was so focused on my guys at North Shore that a lot of times I didn't take into account guys really outside the city. Like this, this is the best guy in the city. Not, not understanding that, you know, a place like Illinois is comparing him to the best guy in Florida, Georgia, Chicago, you know, Illinois, North Carolina, wherever. How does he, how, I didn't even think to compare how he relates to all those other guys. So I, I saw the same, you know, it was eye opening for me just going across the street from Houston to Rice because at Houston, we just recruited the state of Texas. That's all we looked at. But at Rice, we're, we're looking at the whole country and it's like, whoa, like yeah. Florida, California, Georgia, you know, Ohio, like, you know, all the way up the Northeast, like there's, there's ballplayers everywhere. And that, that is the, uh, the hardest part about it is realizing that there's enough players to go around. And, yeah. You know, I think the cool part, just to take a side note, is the fact that we're in the same conference. Like, we lost to y'all this year. We get the rematch over at our place. But, you know, that we're able to have this relationship and be able to talk shop all the time. Um, and I think that's so important for people that are trying to, like, you know, climb the ranks or so to speak. Like, dude, you don't have to climb on somebody's back. Like, you can absolutely help people along the way because oh, yeah. there's enough players to go around. It's about finding the right fit because – if you're choosing UTSA, you're going for a ton of different reasons than you're going to Rice. They're two right. completely different. It's apples and oranges, completely right. different experiences. So, um, I, I, I think I think you know, in terms of recruiting players and growing in the business, I think you kind of got to have the. To me, I've always operated in that same manner. Like you talk about networking, like I don't mind talking to people about what I'm doing or where I've been or how I got there or you know, who, who helped me or, you know, anything like that, because I mean, I want to help somebody else. You know what I mean? Like I ask questions, not, not to, you know, dig at anybody or, or undercut them. I ask questions because I really want to know, you know, and I want to know, you know, coach, coach K used to, used to always say a quote, uh, you know, be careful who you let validate you uh, and who you let humble you. Right. So, you know, I want to be able to stand on my own two feet and, and validate myself with my work. I don't, I don't need anybody else to validate me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, people, are, people have, have different motives for accomplishing different things or going about different things, different ways. I want my motives to always be genuine and true to, to who I am and, 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 you know, what I want to be and what I want to stand for, if that makes sense. So 
you know, when we're pursuing guys, you know, I know me and you, we've, we've exchanged information. Hey, I like that guy that you just offered, man. Why'd you offer that guy uh, over this guy? You know, that, that kind of deal. I mean, that ain't, that's not cause I'm trying to, you know, steer you a different way or, you know, I, mean, I, I guess you are who you are, you know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's easy to be who you are when you're that person all the time. Exactly. So talk about like, what's, what's been the, before we get into the topic of the week, with just, you know, as far as the role of high school recruiting coordinators, just quickly go through, you know, what, what have been some of the challenges of being a, a first year, you know, running the department, running a recruiting department, and now taking those things that you've learned over, you know, the course of a whole career of business, high school coaching, and, you know, being at the college level with Illinois, what, what have been some challenges and what have been some things that you've really enjoyed so far about being at UTSA? Uh, probably the biggest challenge for me right now is, I mean, ultimately, I want to be a coach. And that, that's probably the biggest thing is, like, trying to figure out how to still impact people, you know what I mean? Impact the 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 uh, the guys that are that are a part of the team. So as far as not coaching, like, I, I, at Illinois, I was having withdrawals, man. Like, I, was, I would pace the sidelines of every practice. I made sure I went to every game. Um, like, I was – I tried to be around the guys as much as I could. I mean, I had guys – that was from Texas over my house for Thanksgiving, just so I can feel like I was a part. So just kind of understanding that, you know, a lot of places, especially a lot of big places, the recruiting department is so separate from the, the, the coaching side of things. So I struggled with that early on. Um, but now I, you know, especially with this move, coach, uh, coach trailer has been awesome about understanding what my goals are, but also kind of in the same sense, pressing me to make sure that I'm doing the job that he hired me to do, but allowing me to kind of sit in on offensive meetings and, and position meetings and kind of, you know, still keep my, my mouth salivating for, for the coaching side of things, keeping, keeping the, that knowledge. But if I had to say that was a struggle, that was probably the biggest thing. The other, probably the next thing in terms of struggles is under, is helping the guys that, that are in my network understand that, I'm not always the decision maker, you know, like, yes, I am a, I am a, a gatekeeper, you know, may, maybe I can't get your guy to the table, but I can't always get, you know, your guy offered, you know, like he may not always fit. So don't hold it against me. You know what I mean? Like um, there's some, like, like we just talked about, there's good players. There's a lot of good players everywhere. Uh, and I, I was guilty of this as a high school coach. I wanted my guys offered, you know, like, Hey, why haven't you offered my guy? You know, that was, that was a constant question. Or, or what you wait now, you know, and a lot of times it's not even about we're waiting, you know, maybe that guy just doesn't fit right now, or maybe we're just not to his tier or, you know, we're not that far in the process with him because we're so far along in the process with so many other guys. Ultimately, I've been trying to be just as honest as I can with all the guys that I have contact with, you know, the, probably the toughest thing is responding to everybody. I, in, in my head, I have it. I have it made up that everybody that contacts me that's, you know, that I have a relationship with or even that I don't have a relationship with, if they're a coach, and I got time, I got plenty of time right now, but uh, if they're a coach, I'm going to respond to them in some way. Now, what's happening is I'm having to go back in my text messages from two or three days to make sure I responded to everybody, but I'm committed to doing that because at the end of the day, the quote I have in my head is your network equals your, your net worth. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, yeah. if you got, if you got people that's out there 
talking Batman, that price, man, he never, he never returns my call, man, that price, he's full of this, he's full of that. Like you might not have a long, uh, long tenure in this business. Uh, uh, if you, you got people talking about you the wrong way. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm consistent, connecting with people and, you know, making sure I give them honest answers, good or bad. Uh, and hopefully they don't hold it against me. Probably the biggest challenge is feeling like I'm not challenged, but the biggest thing is feel like I'm at the bottom again. I feel like I'm back at, at Illinois. I felt like I was back at Woodland Acres. Like I'm square one. Now I got to figure out how do I navigate this, this world. Like I just navigated the last world I was in, even though, you know, it's still, still football. It's still, you know, the same X's and O's. Now I got to navigate a, a, a nation of, uh, uh, of places and and making the right moves and making the right moves considering not just myself but my family as well. I just moved my wife from Houston to freaking Champaign, Illinois, 14 hours away, and then moved her to San Antonio, Texas, within you know nine months. Like, will she love me after this? You know what I mean? Like, and, and preparing her that you know who know who knows what where life is taking us. We might have to. Hey, we might move back to Illinois or, or where, wherever, you know, if, you know, something happens where somebody, you know, sees me as good enough to be promoted or, or whatever the case may be. Those probably are my biggest challenges and, or, or the biggest areas of opportunity that I've experienced since, you know, starting this journey. Well, I think you're doing a, a hell of a job so far. Um, it'll, it'll be fun playing against each other every year. But no doubt. Going into the uh, the role of a recruiting coordinator, obviously you talked a little bit about some of the things that, that you were able to do at North Shore and what kind of stood out when you were talking about that was just how you identified like what the pain point was of, you know, college recruiters coming in and asking for the same questions. Like, how can I provide that to them and also make myself an asset to these guys as they come through? Just talk through, you know, maybe something that you would go back and tell yourself now just be patient, you know, um, just understand that everything doesn't happen as quickly as I would like it to happen. Um, you know, I think, I think the last couple of years there, we really did a good job of connecting with the parents and, and educating them on the whole process of recruiting. The biggest thing I would tell myself is, you know, ask the, ask the questions that get, get me the answers that I really want. Like, you know, what's your recruiting board look like? You know, where does my guy stand on the recruiting board? How does he compare against the other guys um, or, or, you know, that you're comparing? What is he missing? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the the key attribute that's that's giving you pause? So I can be able to, you know, tell the, tell the player and their parent, hey, this is where you're at um, and this is why you're there. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like I, I really got – pretty good with connecting with the people in the building at my school to, to have everybody kind of embrace the same, uh, the same path uh, to helping the kids get recruited. So uh, just making sure I, I attack all those areas earlier on uh, with the guys educating those freshmen uh, instead of waiting to their sophomores or juniors uh, to, to make sure that their grades were, were right. And they were starting to get, you know, get tasks taken and put themselves in the in in the right space to be intentional about the way they were uh, being recruited. So, again, going back, just setting clear expectations, 
uh, based on the knowledge that I have right now. I think the 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 big key is, and I'm not afraid to say this to recruits as well. You know, I've got plenty of kids on our board that I've told, "Hey, I need to see you know your test score improve, or I need to see your class rank improve, or." we need to see you throw still, or we still need to see you live and evaluate you. And obviously COVID's kind of changed that, but um, you know, as far as, you know, the potential of not having camps, but I think what's very, very reasonable for high school coaches to ask college recruiters on behalf of their student athletes is what is missing and what do you need to see? Like what is left in the process? And if they're not able to answer that question, then they haven't truly evaluated your kid, which don't take it personal. Just say, well, hey, when you do evaluate him, please let me know so I can communicate that with, with the recruit because, you know, that gives the, the, the kid, if, if he really wants to be at that school, something to work towards. And if it's not reasonable within his timeline or if he has other offers and other teams are really recruiting him, then you know that they're not serious. But I think it's important to, like you said, like ask those right questions. And going back to what, what you brought up of how you were able to improve the connection with parents, I'd really like for you to talk about the relationships between the parent and the high school coach. What's the best way to approach that as the high school recruiting coordinator? Uh, you know, again, I credit so much to John Kay. You know, every, every head coach at, at high schools doesn't want assistant coaches talking to, to parents. I mean, that's, that's not – that's not normal everywhere, you know. Maybe you talk to the parents of your position group, but Coach K really allowed me to just take the reins and just, you know, just be uh, just that be my baby. So one of the things that we did, and kind of in conjunction with our our spring scrimmages, is we had kind of a uh, we had parent meetings before our spring scrimmages, uh, where we just tried to educate them and put let them have as much ownership in their child's recruiting as they possibly can have without without messing things up basically first week we talked strictly on academics so i had dual credit counselors come in uh just people you know i don't know if the registrar came in but we just kind of explained to them what it takes to to qualify for the different levels of athletics academically we had in the powerpoint we we gave them pamphlets and resources so they could understand and then when they left I, i gave them all a link to a core GPA calculator along with their kids' transcripts. So now it wasn't, hey, coach, <clears throat> you know, why my kid not getting recruited? I can say, hey, do you know your kid's core GPA? Now you have the ability to, to, to calculate your kid's core GPA, manage, you know, what classes he's in, and, you know, make sure he's in the right classes because a lot of parents just don't know what the GPA has to be. You know, the, the transcript says he's a 3.0, but, you know, you, you, you do his core GPA is really a 2.4 and they don't really get it. So just kind of educating them on the NCAA standards and what the NCAA is expecting in terms of academics. The next week we did the same thing with the parents, but we looked at it from an athletic standpoint and we kind of broke down, Hey, um, this is what colleges are looking for by position uh, and by division. So uh, offensive linemen at the, at the power five level, usually is within this range now are there some that are not within that range sure but what is your what is the characteristic that makes you the exception and better yet how many exceptions are already on the roster of your the school that you you know you think is your dream school you're a six foot offensive tackle it's probably you're probably not going to 
Texas. You know, you're, you're probably not even going to Texas, San Antonio, um, just because, you know, that, that doesn't help them be successful. At the end of the day, you know, this is a business where winning matters. So can they win with your son at that position at the next level? Maybe not. If you want to be at that part of that team, they may allow you to walk on, but it's probably not going to be a scholarship deal uh, if you don't fit within these parameters. Because so many of the, our parents were, you know, uh, it was a trust factor that was involved. I brought in a coach that was out in that year to have him come in and talk to uh, them from the perspective of a college coach. So they weren't, you know, the, the coach that I brought in wasn't coaching anywhere that year. He came in and said, hey, look, I've been at this Power 5 place, this FBS place, this HBCU, uh, this Division Two, and this is, this is how it goes. This, this is the real. So now it takes me out of the equation. It allows somebody, a third party that, you know, they know nothing about to, to be able to say, price, price K, they're not lying to you. This is, this is how it goes. This is the process. And if your son doesn't fit in these, in these boxes, it's going to be tough for him, for us to recruit him at this level. Uh, I thought that was huge for us. And then on an individual basis, Again, I, I would put so much pressure on the kids to take ownership in their own recruiting. Hey, have you signed up for this? Have you signed up, you know, for the clearinghouse? Have you signed up for your test? And if that meant like personally going down and getting the waivers from, you know, the registrar's office uh, to make sure everybody had, you know, those who couldn't afford to uh, be able to take tests, getting them signed up myself, like, and mapping it out on the Google Sheet. Like these are the guys taking tests and when they're taking tests, like all that, just removing the excuses for guys to have ownership in their own career uh, or, or their own um, opportunities to be able to go to college. Uh, the first thing I always, I always would tell the parents and the players is there's a team for everybody to be a part of. Now, I didn't say there was a team for everybody to play, <laughs> but, you know, if you want to be a part of the team, there's a level for you to go and be a part of a team. Now, you have to decide whether, you know, if you don't receive a scholarship, do you want to, or, or the scholarship is not a full scholarship, do you want to pay to play? You know, if you don't want to pay to play, your academics need to be great. Because if you're going to go to a Division three or NAI school where there may not be much money, your academics is what gets you the opportunity to pay, uh, to play without paying a whole bunch of money. If you don't have great academics, they still might be able to get you on the team, but it might cost you. 30 grand a semester or whatever it may be. Division two, you know, nine times out of 10, you're not getting a full scholarship. If you do get one and it's your only one, don't be a fool, like <laughs> jump on it, go. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, uh, other, other, uh, the other levels, the FBS level, just understanding what the dynamic is and where you stand and getting to the campuses and experiencing the campus to make sure it's a fit for you earlier than later, you know? Uh, like in terms of camps and stuff like that, I would tell the parents like freshman and sophomore year, that's your dream vacation school. Like go to, go to, go to those big schools and, and figure out if you fit, if you're somebody that, you know, that, you know, that looks like everybody else that's there. When you, when you get to your junior summer, you need to be more focused in your approach about where you're going to camp. You need to love who loves you. Is what was my quote, uh, you know, if you haven't heard from a position coach uh, or an area coach about, you know, coming to camp by phone, uh, then it's probably not the place, you know, that's pursuing you. You know, you need to, you need to go and put yourself in front of the people that, that, that want you 
and you know, can give you the opportunity that you desire. Uh, and when we start to have that more focused approach, you, you see a guy like a Dorian Hewitt, who's, who started as a true freshman at USC this year, go from a Texas A&M Commerce offer to signing with University of Southern California, you know, and starting, you know, natural ability, you know, 10-3 kid, maybe overlooked, but he just, his, him and his parents just trusted what we were telling him and how we were, how we were telling him to pursue things. And at the end of the day, he ended up playing in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, so it doesn't always work that way. And I understand that. Uh, but if you're, again, kind of using your words, if you're intentional about the way you pursue things and you have a, a plan of attack, you got a chance to, you know, to play, you know, maybe a level up or, you know, get, get exposed exposure at, you know, at some places where you might've not uh, been exposed to in the first place. The other thing, other thing I'll say this and I'll wrap this up, but uh, if you want to play ball and you're a high school player and your recruiting is not going great, I think as a coach, you gotta, you gotta inform the kids. They gotta be willing to travel. Like we had a kid go to Rocky Mountain college and I think that's in, South Dakota or somewhere. I forget the other other school that's up there. But like, if you want you want to play ball, they got money. This is your opportunity. You know, don't don't think just because this person gave you opportunity, ten more are coming. Don't always work that way. Uh, and I think that I think that's probably the biggest myth in recruiting. Man, I got offered by UTSA. Man, I oh they're gonna start rolling in. They might not. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you better have some. You better have. You know, I, I think when kids, I never I never try to give a kid advice on what school that you go. I never told a kid, hey, man, you need to go there unless it was like the only thing that they had. Uh, I never tried to do that because it, it wasn't my place. It's not my life. Uh, but what I would encourage kids to do is write down their priorities. Okay. Hey, this is this is what I like about or this is what I desire out of a school. It shouldn't be a, like a long list of priorities. It should be like five priorities. Because if you, I mean, obviously when you're getting down to six through 10, you probably can find those same things at most places. Five priorities, and then go through your your schools that you consider it, and just yes or no. Does it have it? Yes or no. Uh, and you know, most of the time when you, you figure out a school has more yeses than noes, you know that's probably where your heart's telling you you need to be. You know, uh, and you know, parents. I, I also would try to educate the parents on allowing the kids to make the decision. You know what I mean? Like advise them. But don't don't make it for them. Don't guilt them into going a place over another place just because that was your dream school. You know what I mean? Uh, or that's where you always had, you know, envisioned and plan. Man, I used to love the, the Aggies growing up. You should go play for AM. I, I went to school with uh, I played ball in high school with Fred Spiller, whose son is Isaiah Spiller. You know, they give him a hard time online about his son going to AM because he went to AM. But I, 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 every time somebody attacks Fred online about that kind of stuff, he always says, this is Isaiah. I went to school with him and his mom, uh, Aisha. Uh, it's like, that was it's Isaiah's choice. You know, like, I don't have any, not, am I happy? Yes, but I didn't tell him he had to go to AM. I think that's that's gotta be parents' approach to, to the whole recruiting game. Like, don't make your kid feel guilty because, you know, they wanna do something maybe different than, <laughs> Then you want to look at Emma Smith. (laughs) Just like the, the parents that try to live vicariously through their kids, you know, I I think 
something that you've talked to me about, you know, just off air is, and, and you just described is just like providing parents and families tools to succeed so that they're enabled to make these decisions because it's one thing to say, okay, don't make the kids decision, but it is important to empower and like help your, you know, your child make the best decision for him with the understanding of this is his decision. This is his first move as a young adult. Like, like this is the first move towards being a man. And like, I think what, what Joe talked about is just as far as right now priorities is so key because it's like, if everything is important, nothing is important, right? Like keep the main thing, the main thing. Like if, if you have, if you have a process, it's going to help you weed out all of the extraneous information because, um, you know, just dealing with, with our recruitment, I can't talk about specific kids, but, um, there's definitely a handful that get overwhelmed by the process and I feel for them, but the only way that you can avoid that negative, um, that negative feeling dealing with recruiting and feeling overwhelmed and, 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 you know, just like you don't have a grasp on it is to write it down. What, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Because once you put it on paper, then it becomes very concrete and it, it's going to tell you, uh, what you're feeling. So, right. Right. No doubt. No I, doubt. I got one question. You kind of covered it already. So, um, obviously I can't go into who exactly asked the question. Uh, it's a mother of twins. So she had, she has two defense alignment, they're twins. And she said they started in play since their sophomore year. Now, what is the high school coordinator's role in helping give a player exposure? She, she wrote that at the start of it. My boys received none of that. And I felt like my family and my, my uh, husband were taking the full responsibility of promoting our son. We traveled from state to state, going to camps and junior days. Many recruiters had their kind of chosen players at the events already. So it was very frustrating to see, you know, my sons not get the attention that they, they really felt like they deserved. Ultimately, she started to kind of question towards the end of the question, uh, you know, what's the validity of a high school recruiting coordinator? And, you know, I, I don't feel like they should have that much power in the decision-making process. And the reason I wanted to use this question is because, you know, I think it's unfortunate that she feels this way, but I, before I let you answer it, I want to just interject that I would never advise going to a junior day unless a position or area coach specifically invites you or gets on the phone with you. That's not to say that it's not a great experience for a high school recruit to go be a part of junior days. That's great. And in some places, you know, it's a good experience to see what it is like in a college football environment. But speaking on behalf of like us at Rice, our junior days are the max we've ever had is 20. And that was a lot. We want to keep those to 15 or fewer and really keep those two guys that we have communicated that we openly want to join our program. And for the other prospects that we're recruiting, we're going to stay in contact. We're going to get you to camp, but we still need to evaluate you. So I think one junior days need to be reevaluated by parents and coaches alike, because it's not the place to go and get quote unquote, found out or, or, or identified, like they either know about you or you, or they don't. And you, you should know how wanted you are by the amount of communication that you're getting from a college. So just showing up to the junior day is going to be disappointing. If you weren't the one, if, if you weren't initiate, if they didn't initiate that contact with you and invite you, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? The role of the high school coach. So, so again, I, I can't speak for everybody. 
all I can speak for is is my personal uh, my personal journey. I just always felt like for the amount of time and um, things that we demanded from our players, you know, it was it was my uh, it was my goal to to repay them by at least helping them pursue whatever their dreams were. So you know, I would personally ask you know all the all the seniors or juniors or whoever in the program, you know, where do they see themselves playing? Uh, you know, where did it, what's their dream school? Things, things of that nature to see if they even wanted to pursue football outside of college. Um, and then again, going back to educating the parents on, I, I would try to, when they did say they wanted to, to be involved, then it was, you know, making sure they were intentional about the places that they went to get themselves exposure. So, I think you're saying the same thing. We're kind of saying the same thing. You know, I can recall telling one one kid, like, why do you keep running up there to to the events that they have at this place, almost begging for an offer when you've been up there four or five times, they haven't offered you. Like, let's go to the places that are showing you the most love and then see what they're all about. Because eventually those places that are showing you the love that you're you're neglecting, they're going to stop loving you. They're going to move on and start loving the next person uh, that's really interested. I mean, it's a, it's like dating. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I'm asking you out on a date. You don't want to go on a date with me. Then I got to I got to find another <laughs> I got to find another suitor. Uh, I, I think I, get, I, get, I think self-awareness is just the key and no not not taking it personal. Because like you like when I got this question sent in, you could just feel like the the pain points and like how frustrating that process was. But it doesn't have to be. And just to all our listeners, like, I mean, these two kids are going to be playing D1 college football. So like they both landed at a great spot and they're playing at the same place together, which is awesome. But right. I think, I think it's important to not take it personal one um, to be very uh, judicious in picking the places you go to. Like you said, go to who shows you love and, you know, focus on the people that are showing you the most attention that, that are genuinely trying to build relationships. And it's not that hard, you know, it's not that hard to, to notice what's real and what's not. And right. you just have to be okay with accepting the truth, you know, and right. sometimes it, it'll smack you in the face. And that happened to me with scouting. Like that was all I wanted to do. And all along people were pushing me towards recruiting and here I am. So you got to pivot at some point. Right. So, right. Right. With that, with that particular parent, she she said, "I heard you say she doesn't feel like the high school coach should have that much of a, of a say." And to be honest, we don't we don't have as much of a say as as parents think we do. Um, you know, the coaches they're gonna they're gonna recruit who they want, no matter if it's through the high school coach or not. Now we prefer it to be through us because we are the avenue to get things like transcripts and things of that nature. We we may spend more time. Um, but if it's not through the high school coach, you know, they're going to figure out who else is involved with, with that in that player's life uh, and get to that player no matter what, if the kid can play. Uh, so as far as expo- exposure comes through performance, if a kid performs, there's, there's going to be plenty of people that can expose expose them to, to college. I got, a, I got a call this morning from person i have no I, I didn't i didn't even know the person you know they they knew of me through somebody else and they got my number which is fine whatever you know but they're telling me about some guys that are in the houston area so as far as exposure is concerned people are gonna you know not just the high school coaches but there are there are 
other people that are going to give kids opportunities or try to help kids get opportunities outside of the school. Uh, it just so happens that to get the most important information, uh, you know, you got you got to lean on those high school coaches because they're with the kids the most often. At the same time, and this is the, this is the last thing I'll say about it, you know, like one thing I used to always tell, tell our parents, like, go again, go to where you want. It. Don't spend money uh, on things that can't directly uh, influence or help you get to your goal. Uh, so, like, you go to camps, like, make sure you go into the camps where the people are, that are going to be there, people are going to be there that can actually watch you do what you do. So, like, with the mega camps, like, you play D line, you want to go to, you want to go to Rice. So you go to this mega camp, but the Rice D line coach is not even there. You know, it's, it's their safeties coach. So you're not going to get, you're not going to get offered by Rice uh, at D line because he's probably not, he's probably watching safeties. So how I can help you is you tell me who you, what you're looking for. I'll reach out to Alex Brown at Rice, see where his guys are going to be. And we make sure you get to the place where, you know, the person who can help make decisions are going to be there so you can get the exposure that you desire. You know, I think that's that's the role of the, the recruiting coordinator to 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 navigate the the back channels to make sure whatever it is that you you're looking to get as a as a student athlete, you can you can get it because I know exactly where they're going to be. I think that's the that's the advantage of the networking as well. So I'm networked with all these guys so that I can text them and say, hey, you, I see y'all on this flyer. You gonna be at this camp? Yes. Okay. Cool. Who's gonna be there for y'all? Okay, it's the D line coach. Great. I got, uh, I got Joe Price who's gonna be there. Uh, he's gonna be working out. He's probably gonna have a a pink cap on. Uh, big kid, six two. You know, I I can I can go into my, you know, a bridge spill about who my kid is and what he's able to do. So when or, you know he's gonna have on he's gonna have on uh, UTSA shorts when he gets there. You know. Uh, He's going to introduce himself to you or whatever. I can coach my kid up. I can coach my parent up on how to go about getting to the goals of exposure. Now it's on the player <laughs> to do their thing. If they don't, if they don't perform, then they don't get what they, what they went there for. And again, that's not on me. I think I created the opportunity or I created the, the knowledge of the opportunity. Now you got to go and create your own opportunity. It's on you. How, what, and again, now that goes back to what work did you put in? How were you blessed genetically by by God? You know, like all those things combined uh, contribute to whether you ultimately end up with the scholarship of your choice. So it, I, I think like uh, the thing that that sticks out right now to me, um, Tom Herman and Major Applewhite said this all the time. What are we doing? Are we practicing recruiting? When we bring up a player that's not interested in us and we're trying to talk about offering him or, or we're still talking about a kid that's not showing us love. I think it, the flip side is exactly pertinent to, to recruits. Like, are you going to practice camps? Are you going to practice going and, and getting recruited? Or are you going to go get recruited by the people that are looking at you, that are legitimately interested in you? So um, I think that's huge. We'll close it out. Give me one piece of advice for recruits going through the process. Big picture, 10,000 feet elevation. One, one, one piece of advice is just just – Work two piece, two part. Uh, work your butt off, stay persistent. You know, like again, goes back to that business theory. You got sometimes you got to hear a thousand no's uh, before you get the one yes. You know, I got some kids that text me all the time. Same kid te might text me 
15 times before I get, give them that one response. It's not intentional. It's just, you know, you got a thousand kids doing the same thing. Just, just, you know, if you're working, somebody will find you. Uh, it may not always be the, the one that you want, but it may be the one that's right. Uh, so just keep just work your butt off, stay persistent. Parents, one thing. Parents, let the kids, let the kids work, you know, help them. You give a man a fish, you eat for their day, teach a man a fish, you eat for, you know, for life. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to live through the kid, you know, like allow those kids to stand on their own to stand on their own work uh, and reap the benefits of, of doing it themselves. And, and coaches of recruits, what would you say? Help, man. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're demanding that, uh, that, you know, they work for you, I think it's, it's an expectation that you work for them in the same way. Uh, it doesn't always mean that they're going to get a scholarship, but, you know, help them in some, in, in, in some way. You know, like I, I think that's our duty as coaches. Uh, you know, what is it? Reach, teach, demand. Is that, is that the, is that the saying? So, you know, you got them in, you got them in your system. You're teaching them how to how to be productive uh, for your personal gain, you know, for 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 you to get wins and losses, uh, you know, and demanding them uh, that they follow the rules that you that, you know, that you've set in place for your program, I think is a demand on us as coaches to uh, reciprocate that same that that same uh, demand in helping them achieve whatever goals they may be, whether it's going to college or, or you know, getting a job or, you know teaching them how to be a man, whatever it is, like, you know, be, be, be a guy that, uh, that helps them the same way they're helping you. This is good stuff, man. And I, I really, really appreciate you joining the show, but there's it, it no surprise that you're where you're sitting right now and working for UTSA and doing a great job as their DPP. Where can our listeners uh, find you on Twitter and, and find you on social with all the things that you're doing? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's Coach JP3. Uh, I think on Instagram, it's the same, Coach JP3, maybe with a with an underscore. Um, but Joe Price, fine. <laughs> you look up Joe Price, Joe Price is there, you'll find me. I'm um, easy to find. I ain't hiding. First and last name, guys. Remember, introduce yourself, stand out, say something impactful. Joe, thanks again for joining the show, and uh, look forward to seeing you on the uh, on the gridiron this fall, hopefully. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Alex. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Joe. Yes, sir.